Welcome to Made by Me, a podcast about entrepreneurship, self-discovery, manifestation, and magic. I'm Kaliska Sweetwater, a born and raised witch and owner of Polaris Jewelry. Today is my very first day using my new microphone, so I'm super excited. Last week I didn't put out an episode because I recorded all the previous podcasts on my iPhone and the quality just got worse and worse. Um, I think because I dropped my phone a lot, I can't really figure out what else would cause the audio to become worse over time. And then I got a mic in the mail, but I had no way to connect it. They didn't include the cords that I needed in the mic as they said they would. So it was like a whole ordeal. But now I have the mic, I have the cords, I figured out how to connect it to voice memos. So we're good to go. So today I wanted to talk about my design process. I am currently designing the summer collection for 2021. And so I thought it would be the perfect time to kind of go over how I design, how I go from a concept to a finished piece that's available on my website and all of the little steps that go along the way. This was not something that kind of I would have thought um, to talk about on my own. Both my boyfriend and my mom both suggested it, so thank you to both of you. Um, Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit first about um, my design ethos, I guess. So for me, I think that a huge component to design is the constraints of the medium that you're working with. So I am a metalsmith. I work primarily with metal wire. So I work with 14 karat gold filled wire and recycled sterling silver wire. And I use these materials for a variety of reasons. One, um, they allow me to make jewelry without casting. Casting is very expensive to get set up for. It requires a lot of equipment and I wouldn't necessarily feel safe doing it in my apartment like I do with my current situation. How I solder, I just use a little butane torch and I do have like a whole room for my studio specifically, but in the past I would just do it from my kitchen table or just from a corner in my house. Um, And that is like a huge component to why I chose this medium. Um, I got into it because my dad taught me how to weld in high school. And then after high school, there was like two, three months where I didn't have as much work as I was used to and I wasn't in school. And so I wanted to kind of get back into it, but you know, you can't really weld at home in such a casual way. So that's why I got back into soldering. Um, because you just are able to have it on a much smaller, more accessible scale. But with that comes certain constraints because with casting, you can kind of do more like solid pieces, like chunks, I guess. Like you can carve like, you know, um, a B, for example, is a design that I really wanted to do in the past that I would have had to cast. Um, So for me... I have always done a lot of really kind of three-dimensional pieces and geometric shapes and kind of with that limitation I've worked really hard to play with like creating dynamic shapes and movement and like interesting texture and contrast and yeah so that's kind of my um, medium constraints and then within that I have the ethos that I want to create pieces that are sustainable 
in my mind that means pieces that will last season over season that aren't really quote-unquote trendy so they'll be like cringy in 20 years I want everything to feel like a staple feel like a classic feel like it makes sense to spend a little bit more because you're going to be able to wear it over and over and over and over and over and that's also why I use high quality hypoallergenic materials um, is because I want it to just be like an easy choice that lasts a long time that you can always go to again and again and again so I always have all of these factors in my mind when I sit down and begin to design. So how do I come up with concepts and designs? For this, I basically just always have paper on me. I always have like a little scrap of paper or if I don't, I will just like grab a receipt or something. Um, and I write down ideas as they come to me regardless of if I'm in the design moment or not. And I collect all of these little scraps and notebooks and sketches over the years. I, ha I still have sketches from when I started my business in 2012. And I gather them up when it comes to design. I gather them all up from everywhere in my apartment, every little box and basket and drawer. And I spread them all out, all over the floor or my bed or whatever large surface that I've chosen. I put them all out in front of me and I kind of look over them all and see like, what am I drawn to now? What feels like it's interesting now? Because every season and every year, there is kind of like a different flavor based on like the styles and the trends and like the chapter of society that we're in. And so something that could be really cool and interesting one year could be like completely cringy the next and vice versa. And I do kind of like to keep it fresh and interesting. I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. And so I look over all the sketches and I pick probably like eight to 10 that I think are really interesting that I want to explore further. And then I put all the way, all the other ones away back in a box, back in the drawer. And I just kind of sit with those and I like kind of let it marinate. Like I think about it when I walk around, I think about it just like throughout the day, like have them in my mind. And um, another way that I create these like scraps of paper and like inspiration sketches is by going out of my routine. So like I love to go to a museum by myself just for like six hours um, and I love to look at portraits and abstracts specifically for design because for me when I look at like a person's face, especially a person who's not famous, someone who I don't have like feelings about, I, I can like look at their face and I kind of visualize like what earrings should you be wearing right now? What jewelry would really look good on you? What would that be? And I kind of can sketch it out and see like where that takes me because I do also design for myself like a lot of my best-selling designs have come from my personal need of getting dressed and not having that perfect piece that I want to put on and so I'll make it in that moment and then I'll get compliments or whatever and then build a collection from that um, but my face is very specific my ears are very specific my proportions are very specific so when I look at uh, like a painting of a woman's face and she has a very narrow face and a long neck which I don't have either of those it will give me a different canvas to kind of project upon of like wow you know this woman needs a different earring than what I would need and it gives me um, like a really easy jumping off point I don't know why when I look at a picture or a portrait I visualize like 
this is the jewelry that you need and sometimes I'll just see like strangers on the subway and I'll be like you really need this earring like in my mind and I can sketch it out right then um and then with abstracts the like the swirls and the shapes like I'll see like a certain section of a line that I think is really interesting and like draw that down and like ooh, that should be an earring that should be a necklace that should be a ring you know and so this is how I kind of create um the I don't know like the jumping off point like all of the sketches those are ways that I um gather those up and I think that for me the most important thing if you're looking for inspiration like if you're in a stuck point um you need to get out of your routine like whatever that routine is like just walk to the bus one block off your course you know like get yourself out of autopilot because when we're in a physical routine our brain sticks in that physical routine as well like you're on the same track and then when you deviate from the track you're looking at different things you have different stimulus your brain actually goes different places regardless of if you want it to or not so you can actually do that on purpose and be like okay I'm gonna take a completely different route that I've never taken before and this is actually one of the main reasons that I decided to move from my hometown Portland Oregon to where I live now, Brooklyn, New York, is because I was out of ways to shake up my physical routine. Like it was actually physically impossible for me to get lost in Portland. The one time that it happened was I got off the bus in a neighborhood that I hadn't gone to in about six months. And Portland is like gentrifying so rapidly that I got lost because every single landmark had been replaced with a new development. And that is the only time I can remember in my adult life that I actually got lost in Portland. So when that happened, it definitely gave me like kind of a feeling of like, I miss that, I want that again. And so for me, for several years, I would go on vacations and take trips, um, which I'm very blessed to be able to use my business as an excuse. I would book a um, craft show in a city and I would work for those two days. And then I would stay for an additional five days and I would go to all the museums, I would walk around and just soak it up, you know? Like different architecture is really inspirational to me and like puts me in a really good, headspace and breaks me out of that routine and um, moving here has definitely given me such a shift in that like just being able to look at things that I've never seen before even if it's so mundane as like you know a different sidewalk a different park a different museum like getting yourself out of those ruts is really important to open your mind to things that um, aren't there yet or just make connections between things that are in your mind and you just are kind of in a stuck place with I think it's really important to break out of your routine and um, find those moments of inspiration so yeah once I've chosen my um, eight to ten design sketches that I want to move forward with in the process I basically will look at them and say like okay can you be friends like which pieces could go together um, on paper and just kind of like think it out and then um, at some point it goes to deciding scale so like if I have um, a sketch on paper I decide like okay is this a really big earring is this a really small earring and I'll write down the measurements and I'll start building the prototype and this is one of the benefits of the, con the, the constraints that I was listing earlier of like, I don't cast, but da 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 If I casted, this would be a much more prohibitive process because I would basically be making the 
finished product in wax and I would have to decide like this is it and then I would send it off or cast it and once that happens it's just way more excuse me <coughs> allergies are here um it's way more permanent when you're casting because you have to design um basically you have to decide on the finished piece right then before you get it cast or before you cast it yourself um because you're basically you take the wax you build the finished jewelry <clears throat> and then you make um like a cast for that so like you would cast it in plaster and then the wax would burn out and it would leave like a hole in the shape of the piece and then you would pour the metal into that um, the way that I do it, I can just make very casually, I can make a prototype in my studio just using wire and I can decide like, okay, you know, that's that's didn't work out and it's not a big deal. I can just recycle the material and keep it moving. Or sometimes if it's just not quite right and I still feel like there's potential, I'll put it in this drawer that I have where it's like half-baked ideas. Um, a lot of jewelry ends up there and that's something that I'll also go to if I don't find enough sketches that are interesting to me I'll go to the drawer and I'll look at pieces that I've made in the past things that were cute <clears throat> but I couldn't build a collection around at the time and see like am I in a different place in my life is this um, something I can move forward with now or sometimes it's just like there are um, you know two pieces that are equally interesting and one piece is really easy to build a collection around and the other piece isn't and so I'll just go with that easier one at the time and then the second piece I can pick it back up years down the line and then move forward it with it at that point. So I definitely am a big um, like gatherer I guess like I gather every everything that like is almost right and I just I don't have time to explore it fully. I keep it and I put it to the side and then if I'm in a stuck point I have all of that to pull back up and to look at with fresh eyes because I definitely I also am like a big rewatcher of movies I re-listen to podcasts I reread books because I think that um, as we go through life we change like our perspective on reality changes are the way that we see the world changes and every time you revisit it you get a whole new aspect of it and I think that returning to the same things again and again is really interesting because it shows you how you've changed it shows you where you've grown it shows you the perspective of like this is how I used to see this actual same thing and now I see it so differently you know and I think that's amazing and such a beautiful aspect of life um and I think that with my design, it's an it's a very similar aspect where it's like when I'm a different person, when I'm this future version of myself, I do see it and interact with it differently and I can take it to a different place. So yeah, so then I move forward to um, deciding the scale of the jewelry. I went on such a tangent. Um, the scale of the jewelry and making it into physical metal. And this is a really important and kind of trippy step of how different things translate from paper to metal because I can have my favorite favorite piece on paper and try and solder it and it'll look so clunky and awkward and just like not cute at all and I can have the simplest thing translate to jewelry translate into metal so cute and so much better than what I anticipated and you really don't know until you actually make the physical piece and see it in its intended 
form because going from two-dimensional on paper to three-dimensional in jewelry is huge and for me um I care so much about movement like I care more about movement than about shape um, so a lot of my pieces are very simple classic shapes but the way that they hang and the way that they move and the way that they interact with you on your body as you walk through life that's what I care about the most and that's something that you actually can't tell at all when it's on paper so that's why putting it into metal is such a revealing process and I think that there are a lot of pieces that I wouldn't have really given a chance on paper that end up being amazing in metal. And getting that to translate on my website is a tricky, tricky challenge that I'm still working through because as you know, I've just recently shifted from wholesale to more online sales. And so in the past, it didn't really matter if I couldn't translate it because the customer would interact with it in person in the store. Um, so I'm trying to figure out like, okay, how do I do this in video? You know, what's going on? Um, but yeah, like seeing the movement and sometimes I'll like put something into the metal and it'll be really stiff and sometimes you can like tweak it and adjust it from there and sometimes you really can't. So once it's in the metal, that's when I go through the refining process. So I'll make like eight to 10 pieces. Usually at that point, I cut about half of them, right? So I'm working with probably I'll pick my favorite two pieces and get them perfect, right? I'll make them ready for me to wear, walk out the house in. And that process entails, what does it look like? How does it move? What scale do I want it to be? And additionally, can I replicate this process multiple, multiple, multiple times? And do I want to do that, right? So like for me, I make every single piece myself to order basically in my apartment and there are pieces in the past where like my very first collection I did not intend to sell it when I designed it and the first cube necklace I ever made took me eight hours and it was fine because I needed something to do right but when I get an order for 20 of those that is very stressful to me because I know that I'm basically going to be making less than minimum wage to fill that order because of the amount of time that it takes me to make each necklace. And the cube is not the perfect example because I have um, figured things out since then. The first cube I made completely with um, easy solder. And if you don't know about solders, there's three temperatures, easy, medium, and hard. And over time, I figured out how to layer the solders so that when I would like solder the square and then I go to solder the legs onto it, I would switch from um, hard to medium. And then when I do the final solders to complete the shape, I go from medium to easy because of like, then the previous solders wouldn't liquefy. But the first one I did, I did it all with easy. So the cube was collapsing in on itself every time falling down I didn't have a third hand which is basically like this little clamp that holds things um, up off of the fire brick and so like with that all of those things I have ironed out over the years and now I can do it really quick and I love when people order the cube necklace but the prism is still really tricky for me and I actually just discontinued it from wholesale it's only available retail because when I would get like an order for four of those and then like 30 rings or whatever it would it would stress me out um, they're still fun to make but I think about that experience when I go to design because 
I want things to be affordable and I want to love my job and my life and I want to make things that are realistic you know and for me realistic has to do with the price point as well because I don't want to have to make something that costs a lot of money because it's such a pain in the ass to produce. I want to be able to sell affordable designs and that's a huge component to my business model. I want to have it all make sense within my brand and my brand is to have a midpoint price. You know, like it is handmade. You are going to pay more than at H&M or whatever, but I don't want it to be prohibitive where you're forced to go to H&M because you can't afford this like $500 pair of earrings. You know what I mean? So I like to keep everything under $200, even my most expensive pieces. Like my best-selling earrings are all basically under $50 and I'm really proud of that and I worked really hard to do that and that's something that I want to continue to move forward with. Um, And it's harder all the time, honestly, because... I have a lot of basic designs covered and there are like you have to kind of get more and more creative the more designs you've already put out you have to kind of reach farther into your mind and into different places and this was like a huge anxiety that I had in the past I always like when I was first starting out I was like well this isn't gonna last because I'm gonna get older and I'm gonna run out of ideas and I'm gonna stop like being in touch with the times or whatever and it's like that's not reality at all I don't really know why I thought that way, but I had a huge anxiety about it. I think because I saw like older designers coming out with like nerdy shit and I just was like, I don't want to become that. Um, But I think that if you fear to become something, you'll make very conscious choices to go in a different direction and you'll just like that fear will actually prevent you from following that path. You know, like we do, we do have choices that we make throughout life. And so Um, I don't I no longer feel that I'll run out of designs or I'll age out of the um, design world I think that I'm only going to get better with age and I only have gotten better with age so I feel great about it Um, but yeah so then once I have a couple pieces completely perfect I'll wear them out and see what's happening what do I like about it what do I not like about it do I um feel kind of trapped if I try and put on my mask and my headphones do I feel claustrophobic with this extra earring Um, how does it interact with real life do I get compliments from strangers on them Um, that used to be a huge component of my design process less now because you know talking to strangers involves germs so it doesn't happen the same way unfortunately Um, but yeah so once I've decided which pieces make sense price point wise, make sense on being able to reproduce, they move cute, they are cute, then I build like a jewelry family, right? So like I design in collections, everybody does it differently. Some people do just like one-off pieces here and there and that's cool too. Um, For me, I've always designed collections, usually one a year. Um, There was one year where I did three collections, there was one year where I did one collection my goal is always to do two collections a year one spring summer one fall winter now I'm trying to do three I'm trying to do one for spring equinox one for summer solstice and one for autumn equinox December I am not doing a winter solstice collection because that is like a spiritual time for me to spend with my family and to reflect on my life and yeah it's just 
it's time for me to hibernate. I don't want to put out a collection then. And the way that my um, business cycle works out, that makes a lot of sense for me because um, the autumn collection will be the biggest collection of the year because the majority of my sales come in in November because I'm wholesale, so they're prepping for holiday sales. Um, October, November is the bulk of my sales. So if I put out a December collection, it would launch two days before Christmas, and that doesn't make any sense in my business model anyway. So that's what I'm aiming to do moving forwards. Um, this is kind of ambitious for me because in the past I haven't had time to do that much design work and launching, but moving to um, customer facing, I do need more content. I need more reasons to be on Instagram. I need more reasons to be sending out emails. And so it has pushed me to design more, come up with more, and I've had space to do that because with the pandemic, it did slow down um, and for many months stop entirely my wholesale business. So I'm using that as a good excuse to reassess what I'm doing and approach it in the way that I would want to if I was starting my business right now, today. So building a jewelry family basically means, so like a collection, they all wanna be friends, right? So like I want a big earring, a medium earring, a small earring, a necklace, a bracelet, a ring, you know? And like I actually don't do bracelets right now because they're tricky for sizing, but for this next collection, I'm gonna have two bracelets coming out. I'm really excited. Um, this is something I'm able to do now that I'm um, customer facing because on my own site, I can have length options. And that's why I haven't done them in the past is because I don't like the chain adjustments. I think they look really ugly for people who have to put them on the largest setting. I think it's so just unappealing that your chain goes from like small to chunky and then that's it. Like I think they look cute on people who have small wrists who wear them at the smallest setting, but like I just don't like that as a concept. Like, I don't know. So I just, I'm gonna do it where there's no extender chain. You'll just choose the exact right length for your wrist. Um, and these are also like all just factors that I think about um, with interacting with jewelry. I also don't do um, like big, extender chains on my necklaces I, I that's a peeve for me for the same reasons um, and I try and make all my jewelry so that the back either doesn't move to the front or is very cute so when it does move to the front it's like a good thing um, so that's another design component that I've thought about in the past um, so wearability is a huge factor for me of like how does it interact with real life you know I want everything to feel really good when you're experiencing it not just when you're like looking at a picture of it you know what I mean so yeah so once I have my like favorite design ironed out I build the family around it and then I move on to testing all of the pieces and getting feedback from friends and family and strangers and then I move on to photography this is something that I used to pay for and then I decided I would take my own product shots and then I would just pay for lookbooks. And then with the pandemic, I have started to do my own lookbooks as well. They're definitely not as shiny and perfect and like, I don't even know what the word is, like polished, I guess, but it's working for me now. It saves a ton of money. Lookbooks are very expensive usually. Um, my average lookbook costs like $1,800 to hire a model, a photographer, 
rent a space and then pay for editing. Um, and usually like the space and the editing are included in the price of the photographer. Um, and then I have to pay for props, clothing, anything like that, and then transportation to and from the shoot. Um, yeah, so it just, it adds up. It's a lot. And then it's like, there's also a time lag. So like you do the shoot and then the photographer gets like a month or a month and a half to get all of the um, edits back to you. So it's just like a very lengthy and intensive process, which I have, I honestly love it. I think it's so fun. I love directing a shoot. I love coming up with the concept. I love all the creative aspects of it, but I am trying to look at the positives of doing it myself and it does save a lot of money and give me a lot more control over the timeline. I'm able to do things a lot quicker because there aren't as many steps and people involved in the process. So um, I took a couple of photography classes and I learned how to take my own product shots. Um, and then now I'm trying to figure out how to take like cute selfies of myself that aren't, you know, super cringy so I can show the scale of the jewelry and all of that. And then once I have the product photography finished, I decide on the, fi the final pricing. Um, and this involves doing math about how it's gonna sell to wholesale. Is it gonna sell to wholesale? I've decided that some of my pieces are just going to be online exclusives. And that gives me a lot more freedom to create um, more intense designs that I can have at a reasonable price point because I can just like be like, oh, this would be too expensive if I have to wholesale it. I'll just do retail and knock it down a little bit. Um, and yeah, so then once you have the pricing, pick out the name and the concept for the collection. I think a lot of people start with the concept and work from there, but because my designs are all pretty um, abstract, I don't do it that way. I choose the designs and I finish the collection before I move on to naming and concept because I just view my jewelry kind of as like a metaphor you know, or as like an abstract painting where like you can project anything that you see onto it, like a Rorschach test, is that what that's called? Where it's like you look at the blobs and like, what do you see, you know? And people at shows would always come up to me and be like, ooh, this looks like this to me. And I'm like, whoa, awesome, you know? And it's never what I would think. Um, so for me, I view it that way where I can look at the shapes and be like, project upon them whatever I'm thinking about life or reality or what I'm obsessed about at the time. And oftentimes I'll um, just do kind of like literal, like I think this time's going to be literal names um, just because sometimes I like to do that. Like I have the circle post and the mini circle post and it's just like that happened because when I was wholesale facing, um, I always thought about like my mom my mom had a store for many years and when she would like be putting the names into the system she would always be like oh like I can't remember the name but da da and so like I always did very literal names where you could look and be like oh this is a circle pose oh this is a cube necklace you know um yeah so that's why I did that for many years and then once I went to online um, I wanted to have like more of a story, have it reflect more um, the chapter of life that I was in and hang on, I feel like someone's fighting outside my window. Okay, I'm back. Living life in a city. It is like kind of a, um, a trip to hear other people living their life. It seems like everything is okay, but just like, yes, very intimate. Um, yeah, so... Um, what was I saying? Uh, I went from the literal names to kind of like concept names. And I feel like that helped me like connect with 
my business in a different way and have an excuse to talk about topics that I wanted to talk about and share things that I thought were interesting with my customers and with the people who followed me on Instagram and just make more of a connection between me and the designs and hopefully the customers and the designs and just have more of a story and something else interesting to say. Um, so once I have all of that locked down, then I move to creating the listings. And so for this, I have to measure everything, put all the dimensions up, um, create SKUs for wholesale. So that's the like um, code that the wholesaler is going to refer to and that's gonna be on the sticker and everything. Um, and then do the like wholesale math, get all of the prices on the line sheet and the website, create the copy for the listings on my own site, which is my least favorite thing to do. I find that I ref like revert back to just using several adjectives over and over and over again. And I don't love that about myself, but it's a slow process. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting less, less cringed out by my copywriting skills and I'm figuring it out over time which is, you know, my advice for anything ever in business is to just do it and do it and do it and just don't worry that it's not good. Just just let it be. Like, put it out there. You can always go back and refine it over time. Oh, and refining, that's a really good thing too, is like for me, another advantage to the way that I produce my jewelry is that I can go back and make the jewelry look different over time. Like, I can mess with the proportion. I can make it sturdier. I can... Um, adapt to feedback that I get really quickly and then I can go in and redo the product photography and all of that so a lot of my designs that I first came out with once I got better at jewelry making I redesigned them and yeah they're still here but they're better and they're stronger and they're prettier and they're you know x y and z so that's a really fun advantage that I have that I'm really grateful for um, and I think that that's unique to handmade. You know what I mean? Like if you're working with a factory, you, there's no way that you can adjust. If you have 10,000 of this sitting in a warehouse, you're not changing it. That's too expensive. But for me, I'm able to do that and I'm able to adjust it whenever something comes up. I can do it right then immediately. Um, and I think that's a really great thing. Yes, so once all of that is done, I plan when I want to launch the collection, how I want to launch the collection, and I create all of, of the um, stuff that goes along with that, right? So like I'm writing the emails, um, I'm planning my Instagram posts, I'm deciding which pictures to use for all of that, and I also have to um, plan to put all the listings on all of my third-party sites as well. So I have my own website, polarisjewelry.com, and then within that I have a wholesale page, but I also sell on fair.com, which is a wholesale-facing platform, bulletin.com, which is another wholesale-facing platform. I sell on Radical Girl Gang, which is a retail dropshipping platform, and I sell on Etsy. So I have to update all of those as well, and then I launch, and once I launch, I see how customers react. I wait about eight months and then anything that's not a bestseller or has anything come up that I just don't like about it, I cut it 
everything on my website is a bestseller. Everything in my line is a bestseller. Usually from a collection of six items, I'll keep four. And then probably over the next three years, I'll get it down to like two or three, you know? So like I am very, very particular about, I only want the best of the best of the best of the best pieces to be in my line long term. And I don't want anyone to buy something that in my mind isn't going to last over time or make them look really good and feel really confident. So that's something also that I think is unique to my design process. I think that most people either keep the whole collection and then discontinue the whole collection or you know they just it's more of like a chunk by chunk thing and for me it's very like piece by piece like I like to launch a whole jewelry family and see what people react with because it's never what I expect um, and things come up that you can never predict but for me it's very like I want the collection to feel like a family and then I want the whole line every design in my repertoire to feel like a family too and I want everything to be 100% perfect and 100% a bestseller. So this is kind of just an overview on how I design from start to finish. I hope that it was um, gave you a little insight into my life and my brain and my process and I hope you design something cool in your own life. It is very fun and I highly recommend it even if you are not a business owner. All right, I love you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you'd like to see my work, you can head over to polarisjewelry.com.